The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Some Sadducees, those who deny that there is a resurrection, came forward and put this question to Jesus, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us, If someone's brother dies, leaving a wife but no child, his brother must take the wife and raise up descendants for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first married a woman, but died childless. Then the second and the third married her. And likewise, all the seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. Now at the resurrection, whose wife will this woman be? For all seven have been married to her. Jesus said to them, The children of this age marry and remarry. But those who are deemed worthy to attain to the coming age and to the resurrection of the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. They can no longer die, for they are like angels, and they are the children of God because they are the ones who will rise. That the dead will rise, even Moses made known in the passage about the bush. When he called out, Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And he is not the God of the dead, but of the living. For to him all are alive. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to the Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning, everybody. Praise the Lord. We'll just dive right in. Noel's announcements. So. In the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Mass this morning in Portola, and last night in Portola, the Vigil Mass, I, I told the people what I told all of you if you are here last Sunday, if you recall. Because remember how I felt in this, I felt this heavy weight upon our parish. That we were being especially spiritually attacked, and so I, so I began. So it was very, it was very serious homily, at least judging from the faces, because I basically yelled out, "We're being attacked by the devil." <laughs> so, I use more eloquent words than that, but, but I really felt this sense that over this last year, this, this heavy, heavy burdens upon our people, to the point where I felt utterly helpless, utterly humbled. Because sometimes we think, you know, when there's a problem. Especially as men, we say, okay, let's lay out a plan. We'll do this, do that, and we'll be fine. You just got to work out the plan. But I felt utterly helpless at the immensity of the problems. And, and it really came to a head about a week and a half to two weeks ago where I really felt this oppression upon us. It was heavy, heavy oppression. And as, as, as I mentioned, as I was driving from Portola to Loyalton, I was discerning whether I should make this public and because, you know, whenever you talk about the devil, you're always weary. People look at you weird. It's like, ah, oh, you believe in that old-fashioned stuff. What are you talking about? Yes, we do believe in that old-fashioned stuff. Because Jesus was old-fashioned. Huh? 
And so, and so, I, so I shared how we're going to say those prayers after every Mass. But then also, in addition to that, make sure you grab a bulletin this Sunday. There's a special prayer in there. There's an insert that it's a gift to you because basically I'm asking for your help. I need help praying. Because I wanted to summon the, the prayerful might of our parish because we are not meant to battle the evil one by ourselves. Remember in Luke 22, verse 31, our Lord himself speaking to apostles, he says to them, the devil has decided to sift all of you like wheat. The Lord himself tells that to his apostles and therefore for, by extension to all of us. You know, the devil wants to separate us, to divide us, to break us. In fact, that is where we even get our English word devil from. It comes from the Greek word diabolos, which literally means the scatterer, the divider. And he wants to break us down. And I really feel from, from, my, from my heart that we're being oppressed in a very poignant way. Then after Mass and, uh, yesterday, a parishioner came up to me and said, Father, around that same time, about a week and a half ago, outside of Portola, and when you're leaving Portola, there's a hill that's outside of town there. He said, about a week and a half ago, the fire department was called up there because there was a fire in one of the hills. And so the fire department went up there. What they discovered was there was a devil worshiper on the top of that hill overlooking Portola. He had created a huge bonfire of Bibles. It was burning Bibles. And he put into the ground this huge pentagram. You know what a pentagram is? It's a, it's a star, which is what the devil worshipers will use oftentimes in their seances and whenever they're trying to do a, a spell. There's a whole active world. There's a whole dark, seedy world of the demonic active, not only just here, but all throughout the world. So whether that's related or not, it's not the point. You see, in this spiritual battle, our weapon isn't guns or knives or, or rocks. It is the spiritual weapons that our Lord gave us. And so please pray that prayer that's in the bulletin. Pray with your families. Pray it for the parish. It was given to me by one of, our, one of the holiest priests I know. He used to be our exorcist in the diocese. And he would use this prayer whenever people would come in and he would see different people afflicted by various things and he would give this prayer to them. And so I give that to you to join together with all of us to battle the one who, who seeks to scatter us. Because it is the direct opposite of love, isn't it? Now notice this in the gospel today. Jesus speaks about something which is very, very natural to us. You see, we all desire love, don't we? I mean, that is why we get married. That is why it's one of the most passionate, it is the most beautiful desires that we have. And the Lord is, is especially speaking about this idea of marriage. Because I guarantee you, we're all seeking love, especially if you're single right now. I bet you, you young people in here, I bet you, Logan, you got a girl that you like in school already. Huh? 
I bet you are all embarrassed now. I won't look at you, Logan, but I bet you when we all growing up, we, we all have that special son, but like, ooh, I like that girl. If you're also like that boy. Why? Because it's a natural desire for the other. And many of us, the lucky ones, you know, we, we find that special someone and we fall in, in love and it's a beautiful thing. You know, I asked, I saw Annie at the harvest dinner yesterday. You weren't there, Derek, but I asked her. I asked her, I said, hey, so you'll be married now, what, two months? A month and a half? One month? I can't see, I have my glasses on. So. <laughs> I don't know what fingers you're holding up. One month. And I asked her, so how's it going? And she had this googly eye on her face. She said, oh, I miss Derek so much. <laughs> it was disgusting and gross. <laughs> You married in couples in here that have been married for a long time. Do you remember when you used to miss your husband or your wife? <laughs> the way you used to when you were first married. It was a beautiful thing. <laughs> so, oh, I miss Derek so much. He works too much. <laughs> but it was, it was beautiful. It was rightly so. You should miss your spouse. Why? Because what, what is the object of love? Love seeks to desire the other for what? Union. But what happens quickly? Every married couple in here right now, we don't have to yell it out loud, but do you remember the last thing you fought about? The last thing, the, huge, the last argument you had with your spouse immediately comes up like, oh yeah, it was just last night you were arguing about something. <laughs> what happens over time when the honeymoon phase fades away is that eventually the other person makes us mad. Because if you think about the source of that friction, is that ingrained with every expectation that we have for the other, is that this other person should love me perfectly. You notice that, right? That is why we fight. Because the other person, your spouse, does not love you perfectly. Which is a natural desire that we all have. And that makes us upset. Because I, I bet you, if I ask you, Derek and, and Annie, at your wedding, do you desire to marry or to love Annie perfectly, Derek? You will say, absolutely. That's my goal. And if I ever asked Annie the same question back to, to Derek, she would have said, absolutely. That's my goal is to love Derek perfectly. But you will fail. And we argue, we fight. You know, as a celibate man, the reason why as priests we're celibate is because the church is my bride. And I am called to lay down my life for you perfectly. Will I do that perfectly? No. I fail you all the time. Then as my bride, you're, you're called to love me perfectly. <laughs> do you do that? No. We don't. But that desire within every single one of us is there. And that is why the Sadducees in the gospel today, they try to paint Jesus into a corner here. See, the Sadducees was, was one of the sects in, in, the, in the Jewish religious life. So there's different groups in first century Judaism. You had the Sadducees, the group we have here in the gospel, 
Pharisees, the Essenes, all these different groups. And the Sadducees did not believe in an afterlife. They thought that when you died, that was it. You were dead. And they didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. This notion that we, when the second coming comes, we get our bodies back. Few people realize this. That when we die, of course, our, our bodies are separated from our spirit, our soul. And then now, just like all our loved ones who have died, whereas as we remember them during this month of November, right now all our loved ones have no bodies. Right? They have no bodies. Their bodies are buried in the ground somewhere. But when Jesus comes back again the second time, we have what's called the resurrection of the dead. At this moment, wherever we are, hell, purgatory, heaven, our bodies are returned to us, are reunited back. Not, this, not the frail bodies that we have, not the ones that ache, the ones that are wrinkled with our receding hairlines and our, and our hurt knees and backs. No, not that type of body that's afflicted by age. Rather, it's a, what we call a glorified body. It's a, it's a mysterious concept. We don't quite fully understand it, but Jesus gives us clues. But the Sadducees do not believe in this doctrine. And so why they lay out this ridiculous hypothetical. They said, all right, Jesus, Moses commanded us that when someone's brother dies, leaving his wife, the brother must take up his wife. So what they're referring to, they're referring to a concept of the Old Testament. You see, if you had a brother and, you, and your brother died and you yourself were unmarried, you had the solemn duty now to marry your brother's widow. That was your solemn duty. You had to marry your brother's wife if your brother died in order to pass on to ensure the family name would continue. That was your duty as a brother. And so they lay out, Lord, this woman now married seven of the brothers. Which one will be married to her in the afterlife? And the Sadducees think, oh, now we got Jesus. Which, by the way, I... Don't ever try to outsmart God. You're going to lose 10 times out of 10, by the way. So don't ever, don't ever try to do this with him. Okay. And he says to them, The children of this age marry and remarry. And for those who are deemed worthy to attain to the coming age, the resurrection of the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. So what our Lord here just stated, stated, which when you first hear it, especially if you're married, makes many people sad. There's no marriage in heaven. Derek and Annie, you will not be married in heaven. Kathy, Tom, you're not married in heaven. Mike, Pam, you're not married in heaven. Chris, Chris, you're not married in heaven. Because what our Lord now begins to point out, because at first it's immediately sad. But rather, what marriage is, is that marriage is only for this world. That exclusive bond that you share here on earth, where, which has an opportunity for you now to draw closer to one another. 
with that unique relationship that you have, which is radically different than you have with anybody else. That exclusivity and that deepening of that bond that you will share, God willing, way into old age. You will be closer to one another than anybody else, God willing. But now, in heaven, God willing, we all make it there. What your marriage pointed to now, and here's the key, becomes fully realized. Becomes fully actualized. Becomes fully what it was meant to be. You see, what makes people sad is that they, they confuse and they conflate the idea of not being married with loving less. That is not true. It is in heaven now where you will love each other perfectly. Where Mike and Pam, where you will love Pam now with your whole heart, with all your mind, with all your strength now, and vice versa. Derek, you will love Annie with a, with, with a perfection that is more radical, more unfathomable than you can ever imagine. And vice versa. It is in heaven where we finally love each other perfectly. You see, now that is why marriage is no longer needed. We will not love less, but rather love intensely and infinitely more. To put it another way, and this will make a lot of people happy, it makes me happy. But in heaven, we get to sleep in on Sundays. We don't have to go to church anymore on Sundays, my friends. Why? Why, why is that? Why is that? Why? Again, this is the most important thing. The reason why I say that, not because I love, I love it, because Sundays and weekends stress me out. Right? I have to get all things ready. So that's why I don't like it. Because on a human level, but I love it on an objective level. Don't get me wrong. Okay? So the most beautiful thing that we do as, 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 as Christians is that we celebrate the Holy Mass. We call this the source and summit of the faith. Why? Because it is Christ himself who gives himself hidden beneath the signs of bread and, and wine. Hidden. But in heaven, we no longer need to worship God on a single day. Nor will we have to see God through signs. We get to see him now radically face to face. What was begun here on earth in that great anticipation, with that great longing for God, now is perfectly realized. We will be in heaven worshiping God for eternity. Everything perfectly realized. That is why there's no longer any churches, right? We see that in the, in the book of Revelation. There is no longer, it says the book of Revelation, that there's any temple anymore. There is no need for the sun anymore, it says. Because now it is God himself who has created this new earth, the new heavens, with our bodies back, where we no longer need signs or marriage to love and that way we are created to love. That is why our Lord here says, this is the God of the living that we worship, not of the dead. So if you're sad at this teaching, you should not be. Because you will love your spouse more romantically, more passionately, more amazingly than you can either imagine. And that beautiful words from Corinthians, and I'll end here. St. Paul, who saw and understood this teaching, said to them, I has not seen, nor ear has heard, 
what God has prepared for those who love him. Oh, my friends, strive to enter into heaven. Strive to enter in. Everything else pales in comparison. In the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit.